Hey guys, this episode is about traveling with no baggage at all, and ironically enough, it's brought to you by Tortuga, which makes backpacks and backpack accessories. Now at first blush, this might seem strange to frame a discussion of no baggage travel with a promo for travel bags, but as you'll hear in the episode itself, we don't really argue for the superiority of traveling with no luggage, so much as we talk about the wisdom of traveling light, and at a couple points I actually condone using a bag like Tortuga's set-out pack, which I used to travel the world for three months this winter. Now if you've been following my career, you'll know that I went around the world with no bags of any kind for six weeks back in 2010, and while that trip was a lot of fun, and I encourage anyone who's curious to try their own trip with no luggage at all, seriously, it's not that hard, I haven't spent the ensuing years traveling with no luggage at all, I've just been smarter about traveling with the luggage I do bring. The Tortuga 35 liter setout pack is in fact a great bag for people who want to travel light, it fits right into the overhead bin of the plane, it's comfortable on your back on the road, and it's designed so that what you do carry is easy to organize and access. Now to take a look at the Tortuga setout and all of their features, go to rolfpotscom Tortuga, and if you see something there you'd like to order for yourself, you can get a 10% discount off the cost of the order by using the promo code DEVIATE. Alright, here's the episode. You know, if, you, if you're changing your environment, if you're moving around, no one's going to know that you're wearing the same clothes. I mean, it's only, it's only you, yourself, your self-respect, your standards, your own standards. And this is the time to, to, to challenge them, to take a risk. Welcome to Deviate with Rolf Potts, where I talk with experts, public figures, and interesting people about fascinating topics that meander off topic. Today I talk about traveling the world with no luggage, and by no luggage I don't mean no check luggage, I mean no bags at all. Some listeners might recall that I went around the world with no luggage back in 2010, and I'll touch a bit on that. But in this episode I talk with Jonathan Yevon, who'd been taking no baggage trips for years by the time I took one of my own. Now, the point of this episode isn't necessarily to talk everyone into giving up luggage forever, but to be more thoughtful about traveling light. And while my own no-baggage trip in 2010 was something of a stunt to see if I could do it, Jonathan's no-baggage strategy evolved more organically out of his own frustration with feeling overloaded. And he's never been much of a planner or self-promoter when it comes to traveling with no bags, which makes him fascinating to talk to. In our interview, he and I talk about the mindsets and strategies and rewards of traveling with no baggage at all, but in the interest of offering some concrete insights about no baggage travel up front, I'm going to kick off this episode by talking to Justin Glow. Now, if you listen to the credits of this show, you'll know that Justin Glow is the producer of this podcast. He also produced and edited the no baggage videos I made back in 2010. I've linked to them in the show notes at rolfpotscom deviate. Justin carried a camera and editing equipment to make those videos back in the day, but apart from that, he traveled as light as I did. So, Justin, welcome to the front end of Deviate with Rolf Potts. Thanks. Thanks for having me. And just so my listeners know that that um, I was in front of the camera. I was like the, the guinea pig who was traveling with no bags except for what he kept in his pockets. But, uh, Justin, I think like you had a backpack with with a camera and your editing equipment, but did you bring anything else? I mean, it feels like you were traveling as light as I was. Yeah. I think uh, I, you know, I was really interested in doing kind of the same challenge that you were doing. And I have always sort of, you know, I've never promoted that light of of travel, but always enjoyed sort of packing uh, as lightly as possible and the advantages that bring you. So I, I, you know, I wanted to sort of in the spirit of what you were doing, do the same thing. Obviously I, 
had camera equipment, audio equipment, I had my laptop, all sorts of other stuff that meant I, I had to have a bag. So it wasn't a, it was a, not a no baggage challenge for me, but it was definitely a pack extremely lightly challenge. And so I, you know, was wearing the same clothes uh, day in and day out as you were. And um, yeah, so it was, it was pretty similar, I think. Yeah, and we were we were broadcasting even before the trip began. And in fact, as an aside, one of the most entertaining videos was when I was talking to the camera in my pickup truck in Kansas, and my dog jumped out the window. Um, yeah, that's, I think uh, it would have made for a good blooper uh, reel. I think that actually we probably have a ton of uh, of blooper materials if I were to go back and all that footage and and find all the stuff that didn't make the make the edit. Yeah, it would be interesting to see how the trip would go in this in this more intense social media age, not just for the the memeability of my dog jumping out of the window, but there were some, there were some, there were some a few haters before the trip began, um, of people who were just really skeptical, who were convinced that we we're going to be completely filthy and we we're going to smell terrible. Yeah. Um, and then the, there's like two or three people said that they were going to investigate and, and they were going to follow up and hold me accountable. And, and they, they just they sort of disappeared. So I would imagine in, in this day and age with 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 Twitter memes going around, we, we tweeted from that trip, but Twitter hadn't really caught on yet. Um, right. That it would be just in this clickbait age. Um, I think it would have been a little bit more stressful from the publicity end just because. Negative publicity is how people get attention these days, and it feels like there would have been some weird skepticism happening. Yeah, I mean, I think with anything like that, putting yourself out there in front of people to have yourself or your content judge, you're going to have a, any, you know, some number of those are going to be haters. And I do, I remember, I remember a lot of people concerned about uh, like us, us like setting off like flags with TSA and that type of thing. You know, mm. that that would be like. Uh, we would be looked at as as uh, threats by not having any any luggage at all, um, which you know ended up not not being true at all. So, well, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about that. Like, what was expected? Like, what happened within a week of the trip happening? Because we we never got flagged by TSA. I don't know why, but for whatever reason, yeah. we never got flagged by TSA. And uh, you can throw in your own thoughts, but one thing that comes in mind to me is that like so many people said, "Oh, I wouldn't want to sit next to you on a plane," but that's as clean as I've ever traveled because I had to shower every day. I, I basically had a backup pair of clothes in my pockets. And so I would rotate them out and then wash my dirty pair every day. And so I was as clean as I've ever traveled. And so I think a lot of the, the, the haterade up front came from the fact that people didn't really understand how it worked. Um, and weirdly, from a narrative perspective, our, our videos really ended up being about the trip itself instead of about the challenges of no baggage travel, because the challenges of no baggage travel went away after a few days when we got used to it. Yeah, I mean, my memory of it is I don't I didn't miss anything. I do remember when we got back to New York, like right at the end of the trip that I immediately I think went, went into a gap and I bought some jeans because I had been wearing these like, I don't know, like nylon like travel pants for six weeks and I just really wanted to wear a pair of jeans. Yeah, it's funny. I remember going through a routine of like washing the clothes and drying the clothes in like Paris and London. And then sort of my memories of the no baggage aspect sort of dissipated. It's like once we got used to it and we got used to it, and by we, I mean I, I don't want to speak for you, but once I got used to it, then it just stopped being an issue. And it, 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 and like none of, very few of the, in fact, I think we, we, we started making field reports just to address the no baggage situation because 
organically, the stories didn't involve all these conflicts involved with not having any baggage at all. And so I think this is something that Jonathan and his Jonathan Yevin in the interview that's going to follow this brings up is that a lot of times all the fears that you have going into a trip like this, once you do it, um, you make a few shifts and then it then it becomes kind of easy. Am, am I am I having rose colored glasses? Am I oversimplifying what we went through? No, I don't think so at all. I mean, I think you just tend to adapt to whatever, you know, I think if you go into something with an open mind and not, you know, uh, uh, not trying to fight it, you're just, it's very quick to, to adapt. And I think we, you know, uh, a lot of our thinking and talking and filming the, the story was around the logistics of everything early on. And it, I think it evolved into just like a fun travel story then, or, you know, just uh, of us, us going out and doing things and became less and less about the idea that we were doing it with no luggage. I think that's just like representative of the trip in its entirety is that it started off as like, Oh, this might actually be difficult, you know, to do it with no, with no luggage. But after you establish those routines and you, you uh, become comfortable with it, then you're just, you know, you're just traveling and you're in these amazing places and having fun. Yeah. Early on, one of my philosophical reasons for doing it was to emphasize experience, experiences over things on the road. Mm -hmm. And that's something I got a little crap from from some of the haters. And I don't want to overemphasize the haters because there weren't that many. But you sort of – when you're sensitive to this, you, you sort of pay attention to them. And one of them said, well, I don't even know what that means. What does it mean like experiences over things? And the thing of it is is if you watch the videos, they're all about experiences. Like we sort of ran out of things to say about the things because we didn't really bring anything. And, and it didn't really create any conflicts that, that – that altered us again, except for the fact that maybe it was nice after six weeks to try on a new pair of jeans. Right. Um, but as far as surviving on the road, it wasn't that much of a problem. Um, so did, did that experience, has it changed the way you travel at all? Uh, I, I mean, definitely. Uh, I think my entire family now kind of gets upset at me when I don't let them, not that I don't let them, but I strongly discourage them to like bring an actual piece of luggage and instead, you know, fit in, fit into stuff that they can carry. Uh, just, it, I, I really dislike the hassle of having a lot of stuff with me and, uh, it, you know, and not just because it's, you know, more difficult to go through TSA or through walk through the airport with it, but it's just, it gives you so much more freedom if you can just have everything you need on your back. And so I have, I've already was a sort of light packer before that. And I've continued to be that. And I, you know, I, I have a relatively small backpack now that, um, there's just, you know, it, it's good for every trip. I'll never want to take more than what that will, um, provide. And so, uh, it just, I think it, it, it helped me narrow down on what's important to bring and what you don't need to bring. I think the other thing that it did as well is just reminded me that, you can buy anything you need anywhere you are. And in fact, like that ends up becoming a fun part of the trip itself is going to some, uh, you know, grocery store for medicine in Morocco, uh, you know, because you didn't happen to bring anything for your headache or whatever. And, you know, you can find anything anywhere and uh, it, it adds to the fun. Yeah, that's something that uh, Jonathan in the interview we're coming up to in a second talks about uh, quite a bit too, is that it's just the world is a place full of people and people sort of have the same needs, be it medicine or, or socks. 
And uh, and I'm like you, you know, I, I, I haven't become this full-time no-baggage traveler, but I usually have a pretty small backpack. This winter, I traveled around the world um, for three months, and I carried like a 35-liter backpack, and that's all I needed. And at times, I felt like that was more room than I needed. And so it was just an interesting little lesson to have. Um, and so let's transition right now and do a deeper dive into the idea of no-baggage travel. And here's our guest for this episode, Jonathan Yevon. Why did you decide to start traveling with no bags? Well, I, I think it was an idea I kind of flirted with when I lived in Africa and I would take those trips for like a month at a time to avoid the rainy season and things like this when I didn't have um, obligations at a film festival or other obligations. I was working for some safari companies too, doing videos, things like this. Um, yeah, I just... You just start, when you have to pack, unpack, repack, even a small little bag, you're just like, do I really need this? Do I really need this? Do I really need this? And I, I, I'm just, you know, I think it's not for everyone. It's not for people who have to brush their teeth three times a day and change their underwear, you know, like, uh, but you learn how to work with what you've got and you learn the little lessons of no baggage travel just by giving it a shot, you know, I, I, I can talk about it, but I really think that um, it's very easy to do. You know, anyone could just take their own little experimental trip. They don't have to like design, uh, they don't have to make a three, four, five, six month situation. They, they can With just, no bags. Yeah, they just go, just go to the airport and, go, you know, like if you've got four days, you can go to Puerto Rico with no bags or, or, or something, you know. Well, I want to come back to some of this stuff because, you know, I did my own experiment with no baggage travel about nine years ago. And one of the first lessons I learned was how easy it is and how for all of the concept that underpins no baggage travel, the actual practice of no baggage travel, once you have agreed that you're not going to brush your teeth all the time or, or change your underwear three times a day, it's not that hard. You mentioned your Africa travels. Those are some of your earliest travels. Yeah. Um, and so it sounds like the desire to be minimalist was there from the beginning. Yeah, I mean, I'm a simple guy with simple needs, uh -huh. you know, and I have a lot of energy. Uh, I like to see a lot, you know, especially on a first pass. At this point in my travel career, I've been to a lot of places, over 100 countries, uh -huh. um, you know, I don't treat it like a, like a list I got to check off and see, but I do want to do a first pass and I'm willing to do it real fast. Just to kind of like, even if I can spend, you know, given the choice between a week in one place and like, you know, four different places, I'll go for the four and then decide whether the, the one of the four is worth the week, my second pass. That's been my MO for the most part. And, and now I, I do get to go back to places and spend that week. Um, you know, I, I've made some friends that I've kept in touch with. Uh, I just have a feel, you know, for what what I enjoyed and what what I didn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tell me about your your very first time that you decided to just give up bags altogether. What what underpinned your first no bag journey? Okay, okay. I uh, I was in. I was writing an article, I believe, for Men's Fitness, one of those men's magazines. I, it was like a junket they had done with uh, with RMI, maybe, Rainier, uh, mountain climbing stuff. Uh -huh. 
I think like they'd asked around the office and been like, who here knows how to climb mountains? And I was like, hey, that's me. You so know? you were in the office? You were a staffer? No, I was not. No, no, no. Okay. I was freelancer, but the editors always okay. kept me in the loop. Okay. And uh, I had definitely whispered in their ear any kind of trips like that. I'm their guy. So you go um, mountain climbing and they... And they well, they wanted somebody with experience and none of those guys did not have experience, nor did I. Okay. To be honest. Okay. But what I did have was recklessness and, you know, a distaste for the unknown. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and it brought me there on a psych free trip. And uh, but everyone I was kind of actually tethered to physically connect as we're climbing up these 20,000 foot peaks was very serious about it. And uh, it just, yeah, it wasn't the sort of adventure that I had had hitherto. Mm-hmm. And um, and it was, you know, it was, I don't know. I mean, I think I would approach the situation differently now. But at the time, I was like, this is miserable. And I don't think I'm ever going to do this again. And, and why, what made it miserable? Well, you're carrying like 100 pounds of crap okay. for all sorts of special situations and all your food. And just preparing for the worst so you have a lot of stuff. And it's like, oh, my God, my body. And just endless hours. And you're sleep deprived. And you're altitude sick. And... There's no girls around, and there's, you know, it's just like, it's a certain, uh, you could prepare for it, or you could, but again, I didn't do the bunny slope, I just went right to literally some of the tallest peaks in the world, and and, uh, and I just knew at some point, uh, I was like, this is not for me, and I'm, I thus have no need to lug these hundreds of pounds of stuff that various companies had given me, uh, all this tack, all this, all this clothes or so many layers so many i was like let me just get rid of this stuff and i just kept giving this gave it all to all the guys who were so it was better than their stuff it was like the huh. latest stuff and they were so appreciative and i was getting lighter and lighter it was like everyone was walking away happy here and then suddenly i was like you know what i think i'm just gonna keep traveling just thinking just give it all away i don't need any of this stuff I just need this passport here and this toothbrush and my credit card and you know and uh uh, that's that's how basically how it went down. I I had another offer to do something for the Travel Channel, um, a pilot um, in Costa Rica, and I basically just made my way up and down. I went to Mexico and back down with nothing, and it was super liberating. So you went from being way overloaded to traveling with nothing. Yeah. Yeah. In in the course of a few weeks. Well, I mean, in the course of a day of just making okay. that decision and then re- realizing how like yeah i'm just liberated and uh and was it weird at all were there was there any were there any idiosyncrasies or challenges that came with suddenly going from 100 pounds to nothing um well one thing is you know i've realized over the years that there's there's doing a no bag trip in warm weather, humid, tropical climates in which you'll be sweating and you'll be dealing with the daily issues of washing your socks and underwear and shirt, drying them out in time to move again uh, or not, you know, or just having to just have a mundane, just waiting around for my clothes to dry kind of day and all sorts of creative improvisations to, you know, expedite those otherwise like concerns that wouldn't be a part of your life at all if you were at home 
Um, yeah, or being traveling, doing it in a cold climate, mm-hmm. which would be in later years, um, where it's very easy because you have layers, you have so many pockets, you have a jacket, you know, right. and your clothes aren't getting yeah stinking things. Yeah, so your much. clothes aren't getting dirty. You know, I was like. In in Central America, I was like on a motorbike. I was getting muddy. I was like sweating constantly. But it was cool. I learned some of the first lessons, which are like, don't bring things that you like. Just bring things that you can just... If the shirt is wet and it's stained, and am I going to spend three hours washing it and another three waiting for it to dry? Or am I just going to just go to that guy in the corner who sells shirts and for a dollar and just, you know. Hmm. When you started doing it, and did you start doing it immediately after this mountain climbing trip? Yeah, pretty much. What did you find was different uh, in a good way about traveling with nothing? Well, I mean, again, like the, we're comparing extremes because it's not like I was just traveling with a small backpack. Um, it was an idea I flirted with when I was traveling light in Africa all those years, all those trips. And then I was carrying a lot of stuff. And then I was like, this is the time to just do nothing. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to what we were saying earlier. Traveling with no bags is not more difficult. It's easier. It really is. I wouldn't recommend someone challenge themselves in some arbitrary fashion. You do it so that you can have an, a different sort of encounter with the, with the world and, 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 and the environment that you're... Uh, that you're moving through, you know. Well, what kind of things did you see people bringing, or do you recall bringing yourself that seem absurd now? Like what, what sort of things are people bringing for an eventuality that just are pointless to bring? Huh. Well, I think, you know, everyone packs for a trip and kind of like opens all the drawers up with the bag there and, and triage you know, through their pants, their shirts, their socks, and their underwear. I think anyone uh, who's gotten on a uh, on a plane or a ship or anything and has, has made that decision. Uh, we've been faced with those decisions, and it's like, oh, I like these, I like this, I like this outfit, I like that. And then suddenly you've just, like, crammed it in, you know. Um, so I think... Uh, uh, you also conversely come home and unpack and, and throw all the stuff back in the drawer. And some of the stuff you're like, whoa, I, I remember when I was packing, I thought I was going to wear this. I thought I would have this situation of like being at, uh, you know, uh, a restaurant opening or something. So I brought this fancy outfit yeah. or an art gallery and it just never happened. And so why did I just, I could have solved that problem in a different way or dealt with that potential eventuality yeah so it, it does seem like bathos like pathetic to come back and unpack something you've carried with you for months yeah. that you never put on your body or you know yeah i think sometimes there's people who they'll bring a week's rotation of clothes and then they're constantly tr- walking around with six sets of dirty clothes right uh, and so for the reason of fashion for the, for the arbitrary reason of fashion variability, they're constantly walking around with dirty clothes. Um, I'm trying to think of other weird things. I know that I'm, in my trip this winter, sometimes I felt like I was carrying too much. You know, I just I had a small bag that I could put in an overhead bin and a day pack beside it. 
Um, but I, I felt like there's a lot of things that I wasn't using a lot. Um, is your system down? Are you to the point where you, you pretty much are at a bare minimum, even when you're taking a bag? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't bring any clothes that I have built a, like a sentimental attachment to. There's a few things in my closet. I, I, I can't travel with them because uh, there's too great a chance that I'll just, it'll just become dead weight. Uh -huh. I can't take that take that risk. I, I uh, yeah, I, I just bring like very generic things with no insignia, things in the just basic clothes I can if I get rid of. Mm -hmm. Plus, we live in an age of like globalization where there's an H and M in every city. There's a you know you can you can you can find it over there. It's you're not there's just an anxiety that like I'm leaving home for the land of the unfamiliar, but. The, what is truly unfamiliar is receded into the, there's nothing there you can get everything everywhere all the goods i think uh, back uh, the, the further back you go the more like oh you will never find the stuff you can get in the united states of america in zimbabwe you right. know but now like everyone has everything everywhere yeah yeah and toothpaste i remember first you know wondering how much toothpaste i should bring well toothpaste is 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 replenishable you know it's people brush their teeth everywhere um is there a when you do a no baggage trip do you have a standard set of equipment that you bring like what what's your basic kit for a no baggage trip uh well i mean i've grown increasingly dependent on our swiss army phones that are flashlights uh notepads uh computers um, books, everything. So I bring a lot of, I have a phone that has a removable battery. Mm -hmm. Shout out to LG V20. Uh, with and a, what advantage does it bring, the removable battery? That you can have three or four of them, that okay. you can charge them externally without not having your phone accessible. Um, yeah, uh, you know, that problem has been solved uh, you know, having, having to be plugged in or, you know, there are some things like washing your clothes. You, you're just going to have to wait it out. You're just going to have to spend a day doing something as insipid as washing your clothes. You know, you can turn that around and hang out with normal people in, in that part of the world. Uh, but I don't find that there's a silver lining to charging your phone, you know, waiting around while you're, you know, something like this, but the phone is just a tool, you know, um, mm -hmm. Uh, it's, you know, I like to take photos. Mm -hmm. I like to f Do you take them with your phone? Yeah, you know, I, I, I've pretty much stopped taking uh, a big camera. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't, it's hard to justify. Yeah. I did recently do a trip. I went to Ghana, so I was documenting our cocoa stuff. But then I had to carry this camera around for another 10, 15 countries. Huh. Yeah, and I never used it again, even though it was always there. I still went to my 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 smartphone camera, you know. Um, it's just faster, and you're just going to capture the moment. You know, it's not, it's it's, not studio it's, stuff. It's small, and it's in your pocket, you know. Yeah. So, give me fast. What, what about clothing? Do you? I know um, years ago when we talked, you had a specially designed pants, I think, um, that had some extra pockets or some secret pockets. Is there a set? kit of clothing that you bring yeah you know I, when you're doing it for a few weeks is different from when you're doing it for a few months mm -hmm. yeah at times that i was knew i was not going to be 
you know, that it was going to be on the order of months. I, I, I have had tailors like move pockets on the inside. Um, for security? Yeah, for security. Mm -hmm. For security, um, especially if you're going to be in, you know, a lot of um, public spaces or, you know, motorbikes or uh, trains and falling asleep in random places. I've fallen asleep in all sorts of like crazy places and you don't know what's going to happen. You might as well right. be, uh, yeah, have to keep your passport and your cash and your credit card and your, uh, your ID safe. So, but yeah, um, other than that, I mean, I, I mostly just keep things in my pocket. Okay. In my, in my accessible pockets. How many extra pairs of socks do you bring? Uh, what, on a, on a no bag trip? Yeah. One, sometimes, sometimes none. Okay. Yeah. Washing socks is, uh, uh something you just, get, you get like those little, uh, five rupee detergent packets of powder and you just wash them at night. Wash your underwear, wash your socks, and maybe there's a fan, maybe there's an air conditioning. You just, yeah, you just got to figure that out. So you go with one pair. So, yeah. So sometimes you literally have, don't really have much in your pockets at all. You're just wearing your socks. Oh, yeah. You have your phone in your pocket. And sometimes you got damp socks on. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, this is the stuff that I, that I want to dig into a little bit. So, so you are literally not even a pocket full traveler sometimes that you just you're wearing one pair of clothes that you wash as much as you can you have a phone in your pocket that also takes pictures and does some other things and is that it on these trips is there anything else you bring yeah that's it toothbrush mm -hmm. sometimes sometimes you just buy a new pair of socks buy a new shirt buy a new toothbrush actually a lot of hotels just give you the toothbrush now i mean yeah, I don't. I hate to be a part of the kind of trash problem and this. The I do aspire towards as much, much uh, sustainability and just you know that sort of consciousness uh, as possible. I'm a permaculturist, a gardener. Sure. Uh, but yeah, got to solve problems from time to time. And is this something that is? A challenge that you love living up to or is it just the way you prefer to travel yeah it's, it's just the way I prefer to travel I mean it's so easy and I think again travel the more you travel the more you also see how similar things are and uh, you get into the nuance of of of, of human beings really and um, you know the greatest souvenirs from travel are, are, are relationships or friendships so you know you got to be prepared when uh, I think a lot of times when I travel with nothing and I don't you know I'm not advertising it but if it comes up naturally like if someone asks me late in the day where I'm staying and uh, oh I haven't decided yet you know <laughs> that's gonna lead to a, a whole uh, barrage of questions and you haven't decided because you have the, the liberty of not having to drop a bag someplace. Exactly, exactly. I haven't decided. But also, you know, um, well, yeah, so a lot of people are charmed by that. They'll, they'll be, oh, you're staying with me. I got a couch for you. I got a guest room. Huh. Uh, you know, they, it... Because um, you're the guy with no bags and it's like we want to know, get to know this guy better. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope that I'm, uh, you know... Uh, that there's something else besides just that. I mean, it's just, you know, something about me 
mm-hmm. that is uh, trustworthy or just interesting. But yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, a lot of people have a latent hospitality impulse. I, I personally have people stay at my place in Brooklyn all the time. Like I, my, my house is open because I've been the recipient of so much um, generosity and hospitality. Um, so, yeah, and I, I've been a part of the couchsurfing.org okay. community since oh, the beginning. Yeah. I, and I think yeah, I've seen it kind of go through successive almost generations. I don't think many of the kind of first-generation couchsurfing people still do it. But um, I still enjoy it. I, I don't really stay at people's houses very often, but I, I meet up with the, the, that community of people okay. and I, because of the just shared values of just hospitality and, and community-mindedness, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, there's always a lot of good local people. There's a lot of people who some of them might be noobs, but they they are aspiring towards a different sort of relationship in their travels, and you know, not just kind of bucket list steering. Do you ever get suspicions from either hosts or community people or even border officials that you're not carrying any bags? Yeah, it could be a problem with with uh, immigration, customs people. Sometimes I'll just like fill a bag with, or crap, it's not even, I'll just like make a fake bag up. Really? Yeah, I've told all people all sorts of things. Oh, my wife is here already. Uh-huh. Hopefully they don't look into that. Right. You know, and... Uh, or, and, and what's the other, so, so you have a fake bag or you say I have a wife who doesn't really exist. It's, it's to protect against what? Because for them to pull you in a room and, and interrogate you or, or yeah, what? Yeah, if it came to that, I would just be honest. Because I, okay. I, in the end, like you can Google my name and see that I have a long history of traveling with no bags. But, but uh, well, I'm trying not to get the you know, suspicions up. And in this day and age, people like, it would be kind of, kind of weird. I just don't want to deal with the, the grief of being pulled into a secondary. Right. And yeah. having nothing to show. It's like, search me, I got nothing. Have there been times when you've been worried about that, where you feel like you're being scrutinized a little bit too carefully? Uh, you know, I, I found that when I come back to this country, um, if I tell immigration that I've been to, if I list a whole bunch of countries, you know, this, I, this very last trip was the first time I, I arrived from Taiwan in San Francisco a few weeks ago, and I listed off like, 20 countries it was the first time the guy took my passport put it in some crazy zip bag and sent me to another room where they you know they really gave me the uh third degree but generally i don't know if that's a new policy or just you know happenstantial or i just just a random situation but yeah generally when i list off all these countries they think oh this guy's just a backpacker they don't even think i mean the immigration guy is different from the customs guy so the customs guy is after immigration, you've collected a bag. And so um, those guys, customs guys, can see that you have nothing. But generally, if you made it through immigration, and I mean, you pick up like a plastic bag and put like a book in it or some newspaper, anything. Right. Uh, take off your outer layer, just put it in the bag. You know, and just, oh, he must. They're probably looking more for people with too much stuff. Yeah. Right? I'll, I also kind of time it that I'll pass through that do not declare with a bunch of people who have a lot of stuff. Right. Yeah. So there's some strategizing there when you have to pass official borders and things like that. Has there ever been like a hygiene challenge? 
uh, traveling with no bags, like where you feel like you or your gear has gotten a little bit too dirty? Oh, yeah. Okay. Tell, tell me a little bit about that. Oh, man. Um, when you change beds a lot, when you change places, you know, you might just like look in a mirror one day and be like, wow. I remember looking, I was in India, I'd been many months of just traveling, a lot of times on trains, and just looking at my torso, my arms, I was like chewed up with bites and just like, I had to just accumulate, it just didn't look like a healthy member of society anymore. Bites from what? Uh, who knows, bed bugs, just... And, uh, and was this exacerbated by no baggage? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. How I mean, so? Um, just... Well, it's also exacerbated by the hygienic conditions of India itself. Right. Uh, in this yeah. particular instance, uh, there's no good water pressure or clean water you couldn't you could trust, or at least not at the uh, the the grade of, of of kind of hotel and hostels and whatever conditions. Some nights just sleeping on a train, but yeah, I mean you can get really chewed up by 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 insects and pests and things like that. And uh, yeah. and then it would be nice to stay at a really nice place and recover for a while, but maybe that's just not, it depends where you are and what your situation is. But yeah, I, it has gotten kind of out of hand. Huh. You can also, you know, you might need to invest in some athlete's foot uh, kind of, you know, uh, medicaments. But is it because you're not getting enough shower opportunities or is it because you're re-wearing dirty clothes? Some combination. Again, like you're rolling those dice. You don't know when it's going to, when you're going to have a few days to rub together to just clean your act up. And, um, but yeah, if you're asking in the sum total of years and years of doing that, uh, has there been some times? Yeah, I can remember a few that I was really liked to just, spend the weekend at the four seasons on a press junket so have you done that sometimes where you, you just you basically take a time out from no baggage travel by going to a nice place where you can wash yourself and your clothes and and sort of get out of the grunge for a while not really no it just has to i just have to dig my way out of it organically i never really i you know it depends how 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 terrible the situation has become. But I mean, I've done entire uh, press trips and things like this with no bags even. I was once on a, um, a private plane that the Canadian Board of Tourism sent me to all these remote places in Canada. And they picked me up in Teterboro and, and I didn't bring a bag and the pilot was really confused. And we didn't even have to go through immigration or anything. We just like flew to, I don't know, Halifax or something. And, and then all these other places, I kept coming back day after day to the next day, he would just be waiting for me at the, at the airport and I'd still have no bag. It was getting, he was really, he was really charmed by that one. And, and then one day I, I didn't even, I showed up and I didn't even have any shoes. I'd lost my shoes in a, uh, in a, um, like a quicksand situation. I was writing an article for outside in the Bay of Fundy. And we were waiting for the tides to roll in. There was like a 30-foot disparity. Like this, the, the, the water rolls in. It's serious. And, uh, and I kind of sunk in uh, to this quicksand, thinking I could easily rest myself out. But that, that was not the case. So, so your shoes got sucked like off? Shoes by... got sucked off. Okay. Yeah. Huh. It was pretty absurd. 
to get to come back even with even less stuff than no stuff, negative stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, so as you're going around in various states of minimalism, including at times no shoes, and it sounds like quite a few people are charmed by the spectacle of this. Are there any converts? Do you have any any um, anyone who says I'm going to try that? Um, you know, I don't know because you know. I mean, I don't know amongst the people who I don't keep in regular contact with. Um, I did like run into a young lady at a party that I met in Paris. I, uh, I just bumped into her last year. Uh, it was really her social circle. And uh, she had joined me for maybe three or four countries. Just, you know, uh, uh, she had left her stuff in Paris and joined me. And we went down to perhaps... Um, uh, Slovakia and stopping at a few places along the way over land. And you're going with no bags? What's that? You're going with no bags? No bags. Yeah, it was no bags. And she left her bags. And I thought that was pretty cool for her. Uh-huh. I've had other kind of women ha- have joined me and not as willingly. Okay. Uh, but it was funny to run into her five years, six years later at this party. And she introduced me to her friends. It's like, this guy is the reason why I've tra- I took all, I, I traveled no bags. Wow. Yeah. It was some kind of, I was like an aside in her narrative. Um, and apparently she had built up her own reputation, at least in her circles as a, as a no bag traveler. I, I was charmed by that. Well, I want to get on, on, I want to get back to women's considerations in a second. Um, but there's an extent to which, like I interviewed, before I did my no baggage trip, I interviewed you because you were one of the first people to put the idea in my head. Do you, are there other people like that, like me, who've said, hey, I, I read about you and I tried this? Or is, it, um, is that mostly under your radar? Um, yeah, there's a, some people have just randomly wrote me from the internet. And uh, um, I wouldn't say those are people with, uh, with uh, a Ralph Potts uh, platform. Okay. Those are just some random people. And well, that's, that's what I was curious about. Is the, is the random people as much as the influencer people? Just that a random person who was just inspired randomly and, and did it and told you about it. Does that happen sometimes? Yeah, yeah. It does happen from time to time. And uh, I just try to, uh, again, just um, suggest what I suggested earlier. Just go to the airport right now. Just do it. I mean, you, you, as soon as you can just like carve some some consecutive days where I just take any kind of local trip and you just see how, you know, if, you, if you're changing your environment, if you're moving around, no one's going to know that you're wearing the same clothes. Huh. I mean, it's only, it's only you, yourself, your self-respect, your standards, your own standards. And this is the time to, to, to challenge them, to take a risk. That's true. It sounds like maybe overthinking it, and there's so many ways to overthink it, is the biggest impediment um, yeah, that's I'm, exactly it. Uh, I mean, that's why I, I, I hearken back to the, that exact moment when you open your drawers and you're looking at all your crap, you know, your, your lifestyle of convenience and easy washability, laundering, you know, and you're just making that decision what to bring. That's like a, it's, there, there's a, it's self-indulgent and it's unnecessary. Well, it's the Achilles heel. Some, some traffic noise out there. It's the Achilles heel because you're transferring your home habits to your road habits and you don't have to. Um, where basically you're, you're opening a drawer, which is a container, which is way too big to carry. And somehow you're trying to figure out how to carry all this stuff from your drawer when in fact 
it's a different mindset. You need to travel. You need a different mindset, not just that you have to carry everything, but like you just said, nobody's going to tell that you're wearing the same thing you wore yesterday. So is there a philosophy that underpins your now decade long decision to travel with no, with no luggage? Yeah, I, I think I touched on it earlier, and that is um, kind of graduating to uh, the the level of, of of traveler that's not just a consumer of cultural difference. You know, like I think that has um, a certain destructive component that has become increasingly evident uh, in, in terms of the effects left upon left. Uh, effects on a community that are, are, are left behind. You know, if you visit some place um, that's become more and more of a kind of tourism destination, and you can just see like crass consumerism, just, you know, um, a certain dynamic between the locals and the, and the, and the tourists. And yeah, I mean, the... And how does no baggage remove that? remove the crassness well one of the ways is you can't really bring a souvenir okay. and uh so you you you've cut out that part it's so tempting to bring something back from the other world but in just in doing so you're kind of otherizing the place you're traveling through instead of just being like oh this is a place it's a local scene i'm the foreigner you know, these are not foreign people. These are people at home. And that's a, a psychology you have to really kind of slowly um, wade into until you really you realize like, oh, this, even though this is really not familiar to me, this is, and this is an uncomfortable environment, it's not for these people. It's what they know. They are just being who they are, you know? And you can resonate with that. Um, you can get better at resonating through that. And, and, and no bag travel helps you. Is part of it because of this vulnerability that at the end of the day you you are dependent on this community for a spare pair of socks or toothpaste or other things that you need from these people who are at home? Yeah, yeah, that that is part of it, uh-huh. um, and it, and it is apparent to them when you get to that place in your in your dialogue. You know, um, your motives are laid bare. That that is part of your. You're not there to just. Uh, you know, luxuriate on the beach and to bring home a, uh, a drum or a puppet. Is it tied into a home philosophy in terms of minimalism and simplicity? Or is it, or is it more exclusively about this ethic of being in other people's homes? Well, uh, well, I, you know, I am a gardener. I am a permaculturist. I do try to keep the lowest possible uh, carbon footprint. And, and I do try to, um, you know, I, I help run an, uh, an urban farm as well and grow food, grow soil. Um, but I mean, if you're talking about, I am also a designer. If you go to my house, there's a lot of art. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do like collecting art. I have a lot of artist friends. I like making art. So those are things that exist in the world that need to be stored in kind of so George Carlin-esque you're completely, fashion. You're not completely minimalist at home. You yeah, and I, I mean, I, 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 mostly what I own is books. I, I have many, many thousands of books and a serious book problem. Yeah, me too. 
it's a, I think it's a, what is that Japanese word? Sonduku. You know what I'm talking about? There's a there's a What's word it? in Japanese that's like. Just you're just accruing books and you're not even reading them. Oh yeah, no, I'm not sure what the Japanese word is, but I'm not surprised that there's a Japanese word for it. Yeah, that pile. Uh, yeah, it's like I'm way overwhelmed, shelf-wise, book-wise. Yeah. Besides books, are you a minimalist, or is it just really depends? Yeah, I'm. 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 I'm not attached really to many, many things besides books and 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 data that's in the cloud, my photos and things like that. But um, yeah, I mean, the books are replaceable. Ultimately, if I if if the house was on fire, I'd I'd I'd, I'd grab my two pet turtles. Mm-hmm. That's a good. Uh, there's a good pet choice for um, for for the minimalist, for the person who has to, uh, you know, be away for months at a time. Um, yeah, and and then that's pretty much it. Yeah. I'll I'll end on a couple of of key questions here. Actually, uh, uh, one is a callback. Uh, half of the question is a callback. Is how's it different for women? Um, given that you've traveled, it sounds like with some women who've brought no bags, or is it different? It's different because there's a different culture of feminine hygiene in the developing world. Um, in many places, you know, you, they won't be able to get those products. Uh-huh. Uh, that they may be a part of their 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 own. Um, hygienic protocol so I, I you know i have traveled with women and i have stuffed my pockets full of tampons okay yeah and i have dealt with uh women um thinking that it's a stupid gimmick you know both before and even after and yeah um it's not for everyone and uh I think a lot of women, um, I would, I've never used it to like impress a woman because I suspect that women are not impressed by it. In fact, more likely to be turned off by it. Right. Is, is hygiene the only factor or is there, is there anything else for the, for the gender difference in no baggage travel? Well, I think a woman traveler in general has to be more on guard, you know, especially in the developing world, you know, where there's a different approach to, to, to gender. Um, so it could be a security situation for, for women. Uh, like you need to cover yourself more. Is that an example? Well, well no, you're just the kind of, you might want to pro- project a certain image as a traveler, as a foreigner, um, than a no bag traveler does. You know, there's a, again, like you said, a vulnerability and thus, oh, this is for a predatory uh, mindset. I think a woman without a bag could be seen as uh, something that just doesn't fit into a, a, a preordained category. Yeah, I'd be interested if any women listening uh, have had experiences or advice in this regard and, and how it might be different for, for women than a man since we are two dudes discussing this. Um, second to last question, what strategy, and considering that a lot of listeners might be tentatively considering their own no bag trips, what strategies and tricks and tips do you have for people who want to try this? Uh, well, like I said, I think to start small. Just go on a, you know, just just get the feeling. It's a certain good feeling of just going to the airport with nothing from your home. So just give yourself like a, you know, a week or less in some place that's not so challenging and just, just get the feeling. That would be my advice, you know. Uh, leave the camera at home. Leave the spare underwear. Just, just take, make it easy for yourself and, and, and enjoy uh, 
reallocating your energy into the experience because experience is the medium of our lives. Love it. Well, on that note, last question, what's the argument for doing this? Why should the person, you know, sitting in their car on the way to work listening to this right now, why should they embrace uh, no baggage travel um, as, a, as a way to more fully experience things? Well, it, it, again, it, it depends on what your motives are. I mean, I'm a, I, I think uh, a lot of my um, interests and goals as a traveler were expounded upon in Vagabonding by Rolf Potts. And uh, that means slow, un, unpremeditated travel, just like the ability to stay spontaneous and, uh, and just to live in that space, you know. Um, and to be engaged when you meet someone. So if, if that resonates with you, listener, then, then this is a, an experiment worth trying. It's, it's, it's not to be done as a, as a gimmick to impress friends, you know. It's, um, it, it might work. <laughs> it might work if that's what you're up to, but there's richer rewards awaiting. I, I might add that it's, there's, it gives you perspective, even if you don't become a, a no-baggage traveler forever, and it sounds like maybe you don't always travel with no baggage, then suddenly you know what it's like. You know what you do and don't need. Um, so what's your next trip? What's your next no baggage trip? Do you have it? Um, I don't know yet. Uh, a lot of, because I run my business seasonally, um, and where the spring is springing here in New York, I, I probably will have to stay put for three or four months. Although I'm so, always so tempted to travel during the warm months, you know, I've, I've kind of, uh, I've, I've tried to carve out some time in the spring and, you know, for example, if you want to go to Mongolia and buy a horse and just gallop across the plains, that's a, that's a May thing. It's a pretty um, bookended window. Of, uh, so, I, you know, I have a, a, a list of things like that that I, I, I'm going to try to carve out. I don't know if I'm going to be on a horse with, with no bags. <laughs> <laughs> Well, does it count if the if there's a bag on the horse? Yeah, right? that's a, so. these are some of the questions that you get into. But uh, yeah, I mean, um, so I don't know exactly what, what it is, but that's that's part of the beauty, you know. Uh, you, I've met a lot of people in my travels. I keep in touch with a lot of people, and uh, and and you know, they new information comes to light, an opportunity, a festival, uh, some something random. And, and, and then I have the freedom uh, and the lifestyle uh, has been designed around the, the ability to just jump on, just to make it happen. Do you see a book here? Either a how-to or a memoir of No Baggage? Oh, people are always asking me that and, and encouraging that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a humble guy and, uh, you know, I, I kind of just, I don't want to put myself in the position of I'm an expert. I'm always hesitant to do that, you know. Um, and I think what I do is, is pretty easy to do. I don't think it's something that... I, I do want to encourage people, you know. I, I'm not one of these people. I'm not a, I'm not a social media guy. I'm just... just a, I, 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 I publish less and less, as a matter of fact, as a travel writer. So I just brought it back to basics and I would encourage everyone listening to to, to give it a go. I don't know if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna catalog in some sort of anthology all my adventures because you know, 
they meant a lot to me. They mean a lot to me, but um, I don't want just someone to live vicariously through me. I want, I want these people to go out there and, and, and engage with the world in those terms. This has been Deviate with Rolf Potts. More about everything that was just mentioned, including resources about no baggage travel, can be found in the show notes at rolfpotts.com deviate. And as always, you can contact me with insights or questions at deviateatrolfpots.com. This episode was produced by Justin Glow. Cedar Van Tassel does the theme music. Jan Futterman does the show notes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you tune in for future episodes of Deviate with Rolf Potts. <laughs>